Well, I sat down to put together his word for today. And as I sat down to, to write the, the word out that I had in my heart all week, I was shocked because it just started going somewhere else. As I was progressing in my notes, I could tell that the Lord was trying to steer me away um, from where I thought we were going and into something else. And I like when the Lord does that, don't you? She like when the Lord's in control. And uh, it wasn't a bad thing. I was actually just going to continue on the timing of the Lord. And we talked last week just how we have to trust His timing, right? We have to, we have to just know that He has a way. Lord, he, He's right on time all the time and, and those things. So I'm just saying that again to kind of springboard off of there because that was last week and I was going to continue in there. So I wanted to just say that today, but I'm not going to preach that. All right, I want you to get that, though, that the Lord has your life worked out. We need to come to a place, in, and I've been talking about rest this, this month. We've been talking about rest. We need to come to a place in God where we rest in Him. And I don't want to re-preach. You can go back and listen to the podcast, but rest does not mean necessarily sitting on your front porch with your coffee, right? I'm not opposed to those things, and you can do those things. I do that, too. Dawn does that too. Jeannie does that too. I mean, those times of human rest, that's okay. The Lord's not opposed to that. We need that for our flesh, right? We need to, we need to cool down. Sometimes you can't run, 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 run. Your body will break down, right? So we need those times, but that's not the rest. The rest is something supernatural. The rest is actually a place that we have to get into that, that is, it's a spiritual condition so that even when you cannot rest, I mean, circumstances, whether it's death around you and, or crisis around you or, or a, a workload that you can't get away from, we need to be in a place of rest, right? So that we are shining the light of Christ all the time. We can't only shine the light of Christ when we are at peace, right? You know, in the natural, right? The world gets into a place of peace and then like, you know, then they can say, ah, they can breathe and, and okay, I, 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 can, I can be myself right now and I can talk normal. But right when crisis comes, it's like, don't talk to me right now. I don't want to be around anybody right now. And we can't do that as believers. I'm not saying those moments won't come and the Lord's going to send you to hell for having those moments. But we really can't walk like that as believers. The Lord wants us in a place of rest. And we, as we come into that place and truly trust Him to get us into that place, then the circumstances around your life become irrelevant. And I want to go from there. That's what we've been talking about. I want you to... Uh, turn with me in your word, and I want you to go with me to the book of Peter. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and I just want to read a little uh, passage here that many of you know. If you've been a believer for a while, you know these verses very well. And um, we're going to read it in the NLT. In verse 3, it says, 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we've been born again. Isn't that amazing? Aren't we thankful, church, this morning, that His mercy, right, has made a way for us that Jesus paid a price Right, because God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Right, so there's something amazing that happened. 
and it's continuing, right? It didn't just happen once, but it's a continuation of what he did on the cross. We have an expectation. Why are we expecting? Because Jesus is still working, right? He is still moving. He is still alive, right? He is alive now, and he is alive in us. Amen. And so in verse 4, it says, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven. Everybody say, in heaven. That's not my sermon, but I want you to read that again. In heaven. Where's our inheritance? In heaven. Where's your inheritance? Is your inheritance on the earth? Can you have an inheritance on earth? Sure. I know I've been talking and I feel like I come against... (laughs) You progressing towards retirement too often. I, I, I don't mean to be hard on that. Fine, you do those earthly things. I'm not opposed to that, nor is God, but that's not it, okay? That's just to get you through this life. It's like we go to work, but I'm not going to work every day for eternity. I go to work to pay the bills on the earth. I go to work to feed my family on the earth, right? Now, I can bring some of that into eternity, which is me reflecting Christ while I'm doing those things, right? But I'm not working doing a daily job here, right? There's no gutters in heaven. We don't need any rain gutters in heaven. The only reason it would rain is just for the heck of it, just because God wants it to, because we love it, because it's pretty. We don't need the rain, right? Everything's just growing because it's life, right? That's the reason it rains, right? Bring life back. So anyway, so my job is not needed in heaven, but my job as being a believer, being a, a reflection of his light, right, is, is both here on earth and will be in heaven forever and ever and ever. So, fine, work on this earth, but you're not working towards some sort of false inheritance, a false um, uh, retirement, a false uh, rest, a false peace. Don't do that. That's what the world is doing. That's all they have. You can't blame the world because they don't know. They don't know, and it's for us to tell them, but that's all they have. All they know is when they were born, they were, they were shown a model. This is what you do, and this is how you get to where you want to get to, and this is what it means to be this, and, and this is what it means to retire well and retire not so well and so on, right? And that's all they know. We know in Christ that our inheritance is in Jesus and in heaven, right? That is kept in heaven, and aren't you glad that it's kept in heaven where it's pure and undefiled and beyond the reach of change and decay. Isn't that amazing, church? Verse 5 says, and through your faith. Everybody say, through our faith. faith. All right, so it's our faith joined together with God's power. God is protecting you by His power. So it's our faith and His power that we can receive this gift that we receive Christ, verse 3, right? And then we have this uh, priceless inheritance, precious and priceless together, that's precious, inheritance uh, in heaven, verse 4. And verse 5 says, and he's protecting it by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So verse 6 says, so be truly glad. Everybody say, I'm so glad. It says, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Be truly glad is what? Present tense. So be glad. Or you may know it, you know, like in James 2 and just counting it joy, right? You may know that term. You've been, if you've been a believer a while, you know the term. Count it joy. Consider it joy. All right, we have joy. There's a joy ahead, but there's a joy now. 
part of the joy now is that there's a joy ahead. The other part of the joy now is that Christ, who is joy, is with us not only in our inheritance, but our inheritance we can grab a hold of is right here and now in us. So be truly glad. Everybody say, I'm so glad. Come on, let's say it again. The Lord said to me yesterday, I was just, like I said, I was going a certain direction and I sat down. I told Dawn what I was going to go prepare and what I was going to, I said, okay, I've got it and I just need to, I'm going to put the verses together. It's been in my heart all week and I had pulled some verses from our Bible reading. There was some, there was some things about his timing and our reading two different times this week in Habakkuk, right? And in one of the other ones that we read, we read a whole bunch of books this week together as a church. And so, and I, and so I sat down and then the Lord said, it's time to get your joy back. Time to get your joy back, church. Come on. Too many times we just endure. Now, listen, I'm not saying you don't have to endure. And, and I'm a big preacher about the seriousness of God. As you, if you know me and you listen to our podcast, if you don't know me, you're going to find out real quick that I'm serious about God and about his kingdom and about the inheritance being a kingdom inheritance. It's not here on earth. And simultaneously, you know, we have... 70, 80, 90, hopefully, right, years on this earth to live. And we cannot only be enduring. While we're enduring the things of this world and things of the flesh, right, and looking towards our inheritance, there has to be a joy in us. There has to be a joy in us. We have to be joyous even though the circumstances don't warrant it because we aren't reliant upon our circumstances. That's why I started up in verse 3, even though I want to preach on verse 6. I started in verse 3 to point out, why do we have this joy? Because Jesus paid a price for us. Jesus paid a price for us and gave us life on the earth and life in eternity and literally put an inheritance that can't be touched in heaven forever and ever for us and we get so stressed out and worried and in fear and bogged down as believers. And the Lord wants us to live in a way that the world will look at you and say, how do you have so much peace? How can you rest in a time like this? How are you possibly so joyful even though all of your circumstances would make some people quit, even life itself? And the answer is because it's not my joy. There's a joy that's deeper. It's deeper than the flesh. It's not a happiness. Come on. Happiness is circumstantial, isn't it? And that's what the world has. All the world has is the word enjoy, E-N-J-O-Y. Enjoy. That's all the word has. Enjoy life. Right? So when circumstances change, what happens to enjoy life? What does enjoy life to this world mean? Right? It's circumstantial. When the world is tough, they're not enjoying life. <laughs> when the world, when it's good around them, they're enjoying life. Right? Enjoying life is what? Doing the things you love. Not having any burdens. 
And we need to get into a place, and, and Mariah can put this up there. I, I know I can spell it out, but I wanted to literally write it out so it's so clear. We need to get into a place where it's enjoy life. And you know what's funny is? I went and looked it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure that root, E-N, means in. It's just over time, you know, the meanings of words change. And it, in the original Greek, it did. The word joy is still there, right? But E-N means joy in. You have joy inside. So the original meaning was, was that was joy in. And, but if I told you you need to enjoy life, we get a whole perspective of what that means. That means don't do anything hard. Don't do, don't, you know, don't, uh, anytime that there's something hard, anytime there's any striving, anytime there's any struggle, anytime there's any obstacle, we're not enjoying life. But we need to live in a place as Christians where we enjoy life. And you know, who's seen the bumper stickers, right? I, I even have one on my truck. It says salt life. We only go to the ocean once a year, but I do love the ocean. So I put that sticker on my truck. But we have a lot, uh, something life for every, everything there is, right? Crochet life. <laughs> Guitar life, right? There's a life for every single thing there is. And, and, and like, that's our happy place. That's our enjoyment. We come into those things. We do those things that make us happy. What the devil will do is, and you, come on, church, you're, you're going to agree with me. I believe you will, that you've experienced this. If that's your happiness and that's where you find your joy, what does the devil try to do? right? Who's find the devil come to, to really mess up the, it's the one thing. It's like, this is my one happy time. This is my one happy place. And you press into God, he's going to come looking for that one thing. Because if he can get you to get into a place where you have your enjoyment, your joy is in things. And, and again, do those things. I do many things that bring me human natural joy, that bring me human natural peace. I just don't anchor in those things. I've learned to just not worry if those things aren't so perfect. Although in the moment, don't, don't come and see me in the very moment. I may not say that, but I come to a place. Okay, Lord, I'm going to come into that real joy, into that real place of joy, and not just a human joy, because it says in verse 6, and this is the in joy, it says, be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure. Everybody say you must endure many trials for a little while. And I'm not here to preach to you about trials. Today is not a sermon about trials and about enduring. Many of my sermons are. And I don't ask the Lord to preach that way. It's just what's on my heart. And I'll ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what's your word for today? I want, you, I want what you have for your people right now. And, and many times I can't get away from that. And the Lord is actually really majoring today on the other side, which is that don't just endure. The only way, in fact, that you will endure is if you get into a place of joy. If you think enduring is, is putting your toes down into the dirt and grinding your teeth and clenching your fists, you will fail. We need to come into a place where you say, it does not matter. I'm trusting in God. I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm trusting in God. I read... 
a post someone wrote and they said, your joy ends very quickly when your electric bill comes in the mail and it's higher than you expected. And isn't that the truth? In a moment, our joy's gone in the natural. In just like a moment, you're fine and then you open that and your heart sinks and how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna pay that? It's frustrating or whatever. And your joy is suddenly gone. But it says that there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8 says, So you love him even though you have never seen him, Though you do not see him now, you trust him. So it says, I want you to have joy. And then and re referencing back to verse 3, why are we having joy? Because it's in Jesus. Jesus paid a price for you. Come on, I'm going to repeat this again because I really want to make this point. He made a place for you, and he's protecting you, and he's protecting um, your life even when stuff comes against you. And if you will get into a place of joy, you will actually begin to embrace the moment. Because you will learn, wow, I'm actually better after. If you can learn to have joy during, you will realize after that, wow, God actually did something in my life. I had a circumstance, and I'm going to keep the details uh, uh, out of it. Hopefully you can get it. But just this summer, I was praying and asking the Lord, for some particular things. And so the Lord begins to answer what I was praying for, and I don't realize he's answering my prayer. Meanwhile, I'm frazzled, I'm stressed at the circumstances I'm going through, but my answer is literally right beside me during my circumstances, and I don't get it until one day. I mean, he just broke me. One day I, I opened my eyes and realized the answer was already there. Now my circumstances were exactly the same, and what I was doing was just as hard as it was yesterday. But now suddenly, when I realized in the joy of the Lord that the Lord was with me and that his answer was, was really with me, the circumstances were what they were, but that God was with me and he was actually answering prayers from a previous season in this season. But I had to go through some things to actually experience the answer to the prayer. And I'm being vague on the details because they're relevant to you. They're important to me. But I think the idea makes sense, hopefully made some sense to you today. The Lord is is growing us. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's preserving us. He, he has that place for us in eternity. He has a place for us in eternity. And the, the life here on this earth is, is doing two things. One, it's getting us ready for him, right? It's shaping us and molding us to, more towards him. But simultaneously, we have a glory to shine, right, for him. We have a light to shine for him. And if we will uh, constantly be looking for enjoyment on this earth, and we will never find it as believers. The devil doesn't care about the world. I mean, they go through issues. I'm not saying they don't face trials, right? They do. But 
uh, they, they, they uh, are uh, living in them hopeless. We have a hope in Christ. So he will try to get you to get out of that place of joy so that we get back into, even though maybe your eternity secure in Christ, we get back into looking and sounding and feeling just like the world and we make no difference around us. If the enemy cannot stop you from believing in Christ and trusting in him, then what he'll stop you from doing is shining for him, being a reflection of light being a reflection of Jesus on this earth. And so that's why we must, and that's why trials and circumstances will come. They come and they go, and thank God they go. But when they come, if we will learn to live through them, we will actually shine so much brighter on the other side for Christ. If we will learn to live in him and rely on him and, and know that, okay, Jesus, uh, I can't do this, and this is uncomfortable, this is frustrating, this is even something coming against my very life, my, my even, uh, it's so sad, but we all heard about the pastor who committed suicide just a week ago, a week and a half ago, and it's so sad it just it's actually makes me incredibly angry. I'm not angry at him. I'm not angry at the people around him. So just hear me out. I'm just, I'm really angry at the devil that he tricked that guy into thinking that the best route for his life was to end his life. The devil's a liar. The only thing that's really robbing your joy is the lies of this world. You hear me? It's lies that are robbing your joy. We have nothing to not be joyous about. Jesus, the Son of God, paid for our lives a ransom with his own blood and gave us a seat in heaven. So the only reason we don't have joy is because we're listening to the lies of the devil. I know that that's blunt, but that's the truth. And I'm so sad. I was so heartbroken to hear about it. And the answer is because he listened to the lies of the enemy, unfortunately, to the truth of God, that God has a plan and a purpose for him. And even though I'm not there, I wasn't in the circumstances, so I don't even want to go there. I don't want anything against him. But even though it may have seemed hopeless, there is always hope in Christ. We have a chance for joy in every single circumstance. And hopefully, let me just read a few more verses and I'll make that clear. So it says, uh, after that's happened, it says, it's because, so we trust him, right? We trust him through it, and he's doing something. And it says, you do not see me, trust him. And it says, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible, everybody say, inexpressible joy. What Peter's talking about here, and what I want to just try to make clear for the next few minutes, is that there is a joy that's beyond your natural joy. That's the place we have to get to. If your joy is anchored on this world, the devil will get you every single time. Your joy must be anchored in heaven with Christ. Your joy must be beyond the circumstances. Maybe you're going through something today, so it's really applying. And maybe life is great for you today, so it doesn't really apply. But just put this in your heart, because as soon as the next hurdle comes, you need to get this today so that the hurdle doesn't get you. That there is a joy inside of us. It says in 2 Corinthians, and, and Paul wrote this way to really, in every one of his letters, didn't he? Didn't Paul write 
about his heartaches and his trials and his joy. You know, Jesus, it says, was a man of sorrows. Jesus was a man of sorrows. He carried the sorrows because he carried the heaviness of nobody wanting him, of his own people rejecting him. Even, you know, the sorrow of trying to get through to his disciples, which he eventually does, but Judas is gone in that process, betrays him, betrays him with a kiss. He was a man of sorrows. But there was this amazing, before I turn to Corinthians, I just want to look at that. There's this amazing um, passage, which I've read over, and you guys have read over it many times too, and maybe it's hit you the way it hit me today, uh, or when I was studying um, to put the sermon together, and I was like, wow, this is so much greater than what I've ever read before. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says, when the 72 disciples, Luke 10, verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Um, it says, verse 20, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice. Everybody say, we rejoice because our names are registered in heaven. Every single time you are in a hard trial, you say, my name is registered in heaven. That means that it's a worldly saying, but I, it came from the word. They just don't know it. This too shall pass, right? They don't even realize that came from the word because one day it all be rolled up like a scroll. Every time you think you cannot do it, you just say, my name is written it's written in the Lamb's book of life. It's registered in heaven and the Lord has a place for me and he has an answer for me. And you just keep telling yourself that you got to tell your, you got to tell from your spirit to your mind. You got to get your mind to hear it because your spirit knows it. But your mind many times just has blockades, right? And, and what I was just mentioning some moments ago, many, many of those blockades are just the lies of this world or the distractions of this world or some sort of a false peace or a false rest or a false security. But the Spirit of God knows inside you already. That's the answer, but we need to hear it. and you need to get that into your heart. So this is amazing. I read that, but then it says this, and it says, and at that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The New King James says, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. And it really hit me when I read it, and I realized this is so much bigger than just a natural joy. Jesus, it literally says, if you study this out and you really break these words down, it really says that Jesus was, he tapped into, there was a joy that suddenly came over him. He was, he was excited. He is excited for us. It says, because they're He's childlike, right? He is excited for us to come and say, Lord, I'm excited for you and I'm running for you and, and look at these things that I've done in your name. And, and he reminds us to have our joy in heaven. But at the same time, there was this joy in him. There was this joy of his excitement of what we, uh, of the kingdom being furthered, of, of us uh, uniting with him, using his name the way he called us to. And 
and the joy also that one day, not just that we were registered and written, but that we would be with him forever and ever. And so this joy comes in him, but it actually is greater than a joy. It's a joy of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say joy of the Holy Spirit. We live in very strange times, church. I don't want to get off into another sermon, but becoming, going from being a believer who loves God and loves people to being a pastor who has to love God and love people really challenged my heart because I began to look at his word in a different way. When I had questions, when I came up against things I didn't understand, I just settled it with, well, Lord, I love you, and uh, you work on my heart, and you keep me straight, and I'll be in heaven with you one day, and some of the things I don't understand, we'll understand then. But then suddenly becoming a pastor, I needed to understand some things better than maybe I needed to and a slower pace. Well, Lord, I need to know some of these answers because they're either coming up as questions or they will. And so um, the Holy Spirit is one of those categories where he's kind of just, when I grew up, it got all kinds of twisted and got all kinds of weird, but the Holy Spirit was a central theme of the church, just as it's a central theme of the Bible. But then as time went on, we went into from the 80s into the 90s into the 2000s. The Holy Spirit is like, you know, he's like uh, something we, we pray over you when you get baptized. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's when we mention his name. And we mention the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, when we talk about Jesus promising him. But as far as what he's actually doing on a daily basis and working in us is, has just been not only neglected, but actually, uh, I think, twisted and even worse than that, uh, mocked and even worse than that, grieved. The scriptures say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I think we've truly grieved him by not relying on him. We, don't, you, we need to realize this. You can't do it. I've just been going through this revelation again. I mean, I've been a believer for my whole life, but really when I really anchored down and said, Lord, I want you in an in in age of accountability, it's been 21 years. And so in those 21 years, I mean, I love him and I've been living for him, but I, just this summer, just this month, I've been crying out to him again, just telling him, I am bankrupt without you. I can't do it without you. I cannot do it. This is, listen, there is no shame in you saying that. Don't let the devil lie to you and try to puff you up into some sort of false pride. We must lower ourselves. You have to get to that place where you realize you can't do it. It's your empty. That nothing in this world will satisfy. You have to get to that place. And I feel for this pastor, this young pastor, younger than me. I mean, that's just, that's... And, and left a couple of children behind and a wife behind and obviously even a congregation who loved him. It, I'm not going to say anymore. Just, it just breaks my heart because that the Holy Spirit was right there to be his joy when he didn't have it in the natural. But the Holy Spirit's been on the back burner. He's like extracurricular. Holy Spirit is not extracurricular. Jesus said, tarry and wait because I'm with you right now and I have the Spirit upon me. John saw the Holy Spirit come down upon Jesus. 
right, and came upon him. The Holy Spirit was in the earth in Christ, and he said, he's with you, but soon he'll be in you. Do you guys remember the verses? John 15 and 16 and 17, even 14, he's, he's, he's all referencing to this, to this theme. And then in Acts, he says, okay, now go and wait. Tarry. You need to wait. You need to tarry. And, and it, this, the Lord, I started realizing from the Lord that, wow, uh, we're right on track with what, you've been, with what you've been preaching, Lord, about waiting and about the timing of the Lord. And, and we need to do that again and to get into that place in God again where we wait on him. We wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. You need to get into that place. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Don't say, well, I don't have any more time to wait on God. I, got, I have no choice. I have to do it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have unlimited time. Time is irrelevant. Circumstances are irrelevant. Yeah, but this person will think that and they'll do this and I could lose this and I could lose that and, and all this could fall apart. It, none of that matters. I just heard a testimony recently of a man who had been very faithful to the Lord. He had been very diligent to the Lord. He's been loving God and loving God and loving God and loving God. But if you looked at his life from like a, a, a standpoint of like a status and kind of making it in this life, you would just see, see mediocre. I mean, it wasn't like a horrible life, but you would just see, okay, that's just normal life. You know, they're a good man and they have a good job and that's that. And suddenly, supernaturally, because his heart was after God, because he decided, I don't care what they say, what they think. I mean, you talk about circumstances against him, circumstances pressing against him to tell him, you know, you're, you're never going to do what God asked you to do. You're never going to be who God called you to be. And suddenly and supernaturally, because he continued to wait on the Lord and continue to rely not on his own strength, but on the Holy Spirit daily, the circumstances changed instantaneously. You don't worry about the circumstances. You don't look around. You don't look at the natural. We must realize that even Jesus, even Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would we think we can do what Jesus do without what Jesus had, the Holy Spirit. It says, filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 11, he says, I've told you these things so that you may be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow, or you may know it as your joy may be full. In Romans, just some quick verses here. I want to just say these verses because we're running out of time. I pray that God, Romans 15, verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. Everybody say, be filled completely with joy. This is not something you have. This is not a mind over matter thing. This is not even a choice you make. You can't make the choice to be joyous. You can't just choose, okay, I'm going to have joy. You have to choose to rely on the Holy Spirit. And let's look. It says, it says that you be completely filled with joy and peace because you trust Him. So you just trust in Him. He fills you with joy. When we don't have joy, we don't go out and try to find joy. You go find Him. 
Come on, let's get this. When you are lacking joy and peace in your life, you can't go and try to find joy. That's the world's solution. You need a vacation. You need to take some downtime. I'm not saying you don't need to do those things in the natural, but we need to go and trust in him again. That means we're not trusting in him. It says, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of your own joy that you built up because you took the time to make yourself and enjoy life. It says, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit produces fruit that I didn't produce. He does it. We trust in Him. We rely on Him. And He grows it, right? He brings the fruit. Come on. He will bring the fruit. Do not look. This is why Peter says they're temporary. Thank God they're temporary. Thank God your trial is a little while. He's growing it, but right now you don't see. I got a little plant on my windowsill right now that Levi planted, and the leaves are just coming out of the soil. They've been growing for a few days. But at first, when they pushed those seeds into the soil, you didn't see anything. All it was was darkness, heaviness, the weight of the soil upon you right? The darkness weighing upon you, nothing. And the seed actually, right, dies. In fact, it's death. But suddenly, in your death, and you're giving up, and you just, I'm really out. I'm, I'm out of answers here. The Lord loves that moment. Come on, you need to get to that place. If you're not to that place, then get to that place where you're out of answers, where you just can't do it. And if you think you have an answer, don't rely on yourself. Don't do it. Come on, don't do it. Because the enemy might try to give you a temporary little place and you could build all these sandcastles and think, well, I had an answer. And one day the Lord says, I'm going to test those works with fire and the wood, hay, and the stubble are going to be burned up. Only the gold, silver, and precious stones will survive. And the only way we get gold, silver, and precious stones is by the Spirit of God. That's the, the gems, right? That's the, the precious that comes through. It does come through the pressure, but it's, it's not something you can produce. It was done by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. It says those who belong to Christ Jesus, verse 24, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. It says that the Holy Spirit produces joy. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, 24, have nailed their joy, their desire, right? It's our desires and his desire. Our desire and his desire. Our desire and his desire. If you will get into his desires, 
most of the time, his desires aren't what you want. <laughs> Has anybody been there? It becomes what you want. And in fact, it becomes what you love. In fact, it becomes what you crave. In fact, you are ashamed that you ever wanted anything else. But at first, his desires are not what we want, are they? We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you work on us, that you're patient with us, that you, you deal with us, Lord God, little by little, getting us to, Lord, that place. Thank you, God, that you don't throw us out instantly when we don't get it. Thank you, Lord, you allow us time to get it. And uh, my last verse for you says in Philippians 4, verse 4, always be full of joy, or you may know it as always uh, uh, rejoicing always, right? He says, I say it again, rejoice. You know, when they say things twice in the Bible, pay attention. When they say it twice in the Bible, it's probably there for a reason. He says, always be full of joy. I'm going to say, you know what? I need to say it again. Rejoice. You know what the word rejoice is? It's a fancy word for have, being filled with joy. Not just a, it's not just the word rejoice. It's not just something you do. You know, we rejoice. That's like the English word for it. But the real word here means you are filled with joy. You got to be filled with joy. You got to have that joy inside of you. In verse six, it says, so you're, verse four, you're full of that joy. Verse six, which this is what happens. You don't worry about anything. Instead, you pray about everything. You tell God what you need and you thank him for all he has done. Amen. I could go on and I won't. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Jesus, that it is only through you, as we trust in you, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you supernaturally do an internal work inside of us. As we trust, you do the work. And I thank you, Lord, we come into a place, Lord, of joy and peace and rest in you. And I thank you, God, that the world will see it. It's not only for our benefit, Lord, but that they will see it, and it's a testimony. So, Lord God, we repent of everything in our life, Lord, that has kept us every, Lord, pursuit of this life to try to make it happen and figure it out on our own. Lord, we repent. We come before you. Lord, we say what we said to you the very first time we got saved. Lord, I give you my life. So we're not going to take it back again, Lord. We give it to you again. It's your life now. It's not mine. Thank you, Jesus, that you have it and that you're going to do something with it in your name. Amen. Amen.